1: I'm Corey Ellen. Before we introduce our guest today, there's something I'd like to mention. Corey and I at Cannabis Health Radio have been looking for companies to partner with as sponsors for our show. And as we look to grow our reach and keep bringing our listeners these interviews while keeping our website free of advertising, Finding sponsors is a way we think we can do that. We're looking for companies that have a high-quality product in the realm of cannabis or plant medicine that is completely legal in all areas. Equipment, accessories, and things of that nature are preferred over any CBD or THC products themselves. And of course, any companies we partner with will be fully vetted by us. Their products will need to be of the highest quality, and the people of the highest integrity for this to be a good fit. Now, if this interests you, drop us a line at contact at CannabisHealthRadio.com to connect with us about that. That email address again is contact at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Now, pancreatic cancer is a deadly disease with a very low survival rate. It's the fourth leading cancer death among men and women. Now, Many of you may remember Alex Trebek, the Canadian who hosted the TV show Jeopardy! for 37 years, dying in November of last year, only months after publicly stating that he had pancreatic cancer. Other celebrity victims of pancreatic cancer include Apple founder Steve Jobs, singer Aretha Franklin, as well as numerous others. Today, we're talking to a man who has beaten the odds. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer seven years ago, And he's with us to tell his remarkable story. And joining us from Michigan is Robert Ladd. Robert, we appreciate you doing this. Thanks very much. You're quite welcome. Now, Robert, we've done more than 300 interviews, and you're the very first one we've done, of someone who has survived pancreatic cancer. Are you completely cancer-free today?
2: I have been, yes. I'll have another checkup in a few months, and they'll tell me then again, but I think I am.
1: Now, what did the doctor say to you when you said that you had pancreatic cancer? Tell, me, tell us, Take us through that.
2: Okay, I was having stomach problems in the winter of 2013. My doctor suggested that I get a colonoscopy. Uh, after I had that, they called me in and said that there was a growth on my pancreas and that I should have more tests. Um by the time I made an appointment with a reputable hospital in Ann Arbor, uh, um the growth had, had almost doubled. And um by the time they talked to me and seen it, they told me that there wasn't much they could do for me. Uh so I they told me to get my act in order, get my will in order, make amends and take care of stuff, and which I did. I went home feeling pretty bad and bummed out because it would look like it was going to be the end of my life, and I was contacted by a guy that had um, lung cancer, and he told me that using um, THC may help me. So I looked into it and, of course, stuck my nose on the internet for uh, hours on end and found that the Rick Simpson oil was helping people. So um, there was nothing in my area. I'm in northern Michigan. So I drove down to Ann Arbor and bought some of the oil. It was um, $75 for three quarters of a gram. And it was a 250-mile round trip. I soon learned how to make that stuff myself. And I was using uh, a rice cooker outside with uh, isopropyl alcohol, and take it to oil and send it to a lab to make sure that it was clean. Um, I started taking that. In May, I went to Henry Ford Hospital down in Detroit, and they did another CAT scan, found that the tumor had shrank by about 30%. And a uh, surgeon there said, I think I can go in there and get that out of you, and which he did.
3: You cut out there a bit for a moment, Robert. So you're saying that when you went to see the doctor, the tumor, had shrunk by 30%. Is that what you said? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Robert, when you um, made the oil and then you said you got it tested to make sure that the isopropyl was out of it, did they also give you um, the results of how strong that oil was? And if so, do you remember what the THC content was?
2: Yeah, it was around 70%, and everything I've sent to the lab has been 75, 70 to 75% uh, pure
3: THC. Okay, do you use more than one strain when you make oil? I do. I, I'm a medical marijuana patient, have been for quite a while,
2: and I grow five different strains, and I use a little bit of each to make the oil. I also then went down to Indiana and bought the 96-proof ever and i use that to make the oil with now through a machine called the source uh, i bought that uh, a few years back and is about 70 to 80 percent thc now
3: okay so robert when you went to the doctor and they said that it was 30 percent gone and he thought he could remove it surgically was he surprised that it had shrunk by 30 percent
2: absolutely he really didn't want to believe the idea that the uh uh, back then, Rick Simpson, went, and uh, uh, after I was in there and they talked a, a bit more to me about it, I had four or five physicians come into my room and ask me about it, wh- how to make it, what I was doing with it and everything. And um, they were pretty happy to hear what I said, not totally believing me. You know, I guess that's it's, it's, it's new, so people really didn't know about it.
1: Yeah, this was Ready. this was in 2014, right? Exactly. Yes.
2: So, Robert,
3: how much how much oil had you been taking up to prior to going to this appointment? How much oil had you been taking? How often a day were you taking it, and did you do it all orally, or did you do it rectally as well?
2: I only did it orally, and um, I ate probably three or four times a day. I took some. And I would say that by the time I went to that doctor's appointment, I was doing uh, really close to a gram a day. Okay.
1: So were you stoned?
2: Oh, first I got really high off it. And uh, then I realized, you know, uh, I better not drive. I better not make any rash decisions about anything when I'm up on this stuff. So I had a, a pretty good caregiver that helped me through that those problems.
3: Robert, were there any particular strains that you used? I used
2: um, uh, a strain called Gorilla Glue. I used um, Headband. I used White Widow. Brilliant Lights. And as my garden changed, uh, I, I brought in different seeds. And, you know, frankly, I don't remember exactly what I used.
3: Right.
1: Just Corey, that's a uh, number of times we've heard about Gorilla Glue.
3: Gorilla Glue is part of that magic combination of that uh, six-strain oil uh, that I post a lot about. That's one of the strains that's in that, yeah. Gorilla Glue is getting a lot of uh, positive results.
1: Robert, how much oil do you take now?
3: I take a maintenance dose almost every day.
2: Um, and I would say maybe twice the size of a grain of rice. I put it under my finger and then put it underneath my tongue, let the mucous membrane
3: absorb it, and then swallow it, wash it down with a hot coffee. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, did you change anything else in your life when you got this diagnosis and started doing oil? Did you change your diet at all? Well,
2: yeah, I I took a lot less sugar intake. um, And I was... I was a little particular about what I ate, but not really, not to the extreme at all.
1: But the main thing is you reduced your sugar intake. I did. Robert, prior to your diagnosis, what sort of physical issues were you experiencing?
2: Um, I was having some real um, stomach problems and diarrhea, and and that's the reason I went and got the uh, colonoscopy.
1: Yeah, I was uh, reading something about Alex Trebek when he uh, announced publicly that he had pancreatic cancer. He was saying that uh, he had stomach pains, which is similar to what you had, right?
2: Yes, yes, exactly.
1: Now, it must have been uh, quite devastating for you emotionally to find out that the doctor said in in the winter of 2013 that there was nothing they could do for you and go home, get your affairs in order, and be prepared to die. Uh, that t- takes a great emotional toll on you, I imagine.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I was uh, pretty miserable. I was very short-tempered with a lot of people. Uh, there were so many other things I needed and wanted to do in my life before it ended that I was um, mad.
1: How old were you at the time?
2: Uh, about 63.
1: 63. 63. Yeah, you're still a young man at that point.
2: I was in pretty good shape, yeah. Yeah, I sure was. Well, Robert, when you first... Health-wise, I was in pretty
3: good
1: shape. Yeah, Corey, go ahead. I'm
3: sorry. Robert, when you first started taking the oil, did you start right off at a gram a day? Like, how did you start out taking it? Take our listeners through that. Well,
2: um, I started taking it a little bit, and uh, the more I read about it, uh, they want you to take, back then they wanted you to take 60 grams in 90 days. And I started taking a little bit in the morning and um, a little bit in the afternoon. And I, every day I try to increase it a little bit. At least every week I try to increase it a little bit. And I work my way up there pretty fast because... By then, people knew uh, my caregiver knew that I could drive or make any real decisions because I was pretty buzzed up. The more I took it, the less effect it had on me i could I could tolerate it better. I was ready for it, or I guess maybe my body was ready for it
3: when you so when you started and you say you started with a little bit, how much is a little bit approximately uh, uh maybe the the green rice. Okay. In your heart of hearts, did you think this would work?
2: Somewhere along the line I got mad and I said this is not going to take me down. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it, I'm going to try it, and I've already heard what the hospital has to say, I'm just going to be I decided then this is not going to take me down. I had things to do in my life that I wanted to do yet.
3: Well, Isn't that's a good attitude. So
2: my attitude Yes, my attitude was real, real good, and I've tried to tell other cancer patients that you can't give up. You just have to—this this is not going to take me down.
3: Yeah.
1: Do you know what, Robert? i, I, I am sorry. Go
2: ahead.
1: No, I'm just going to say, Corey and I have talked a lot about this uh, privately, and uh, she confirms that those people who have this strong emotional desire— to get better, are the most successful. Other people who want to leave their issues in the hands of others, the medical profession, the current medical profession, uh, usually struggle. And I think you are a real testament to those folks who have a desire and a will to continue to live. And Corey is as well. I mean, Corey should have was told ten years ago that she would be dead. With anal canal cancer, but she's alive today because this this will to live is so strong in people who are successful in combating major illnesses that it is just incredible to hear stories like yours.
2: You know, I feel that's a major part of healing is the attitude in in, in your head. This is not going to kill me. It's, I'm just not going
3: to let it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really important. I, I remember when I went through this, I, I would look at that uh, syringe of black stuff and think, this is going to save my life. But I somehow knew that if anything was going to work, this was going to be it. Did you kind of have that sense yourself, too? I made myself feel that way. Uh, yeah. That was kind of at the end
2: there, that was about my last choice, you know, after I left that hospital and so I said, this is it, this works or it don't and it's gonna you know with a positive
3: frame of mind wow i love it
1: yeah that's it's fantastic to hear you said you were short-tempered uh, prior to all this <clears throat> has your temperament uh, leveled out somewhat are you there robert
2: yeah that my phone just rang I just, I just shut it
1: off oh okay just wondering if are you still short-tempered or has your temperament leveled out
2: Oh, it's leveled out. I'm a pretty mellow guy right now. I, I I don't have too much to complain about, and I feel very lucky. Um, I, sometimes I feel I'm here so I can help other cancer people, and I go online a lot and talk to people. And um, if it takes chewing their butt out to have him get back on a horse and and fight this thing, that's what I do. Some of them accept it. Some of them don't like that, that idea, but. I'm here to help people if I can.
1: Yeah, that's very that's very good. So the physical issues that you were dealing with your with uh, pancreatic cancer, they've all dissipated now as a result of uh, using cannabis oil and getting the surgery to remove the tumor. Am I correct?
2: Yes, yeah, yes. Except uh, you know now I'm a, a full fledged diabetic, and I have to take two kinds of insulin, uh, and I take it four times a day.
1: So you got to change your eating habits a bit.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, it's awful for me because I've always had a sweet tooth. I'm a cookie monster, you know?
1: <laughs> but, Robert, you got to put your mindset into the... Uh, take yourself back uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, when you were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Do you want to continue to be that way, or do you want to really improve and... Uh, I mean, we can enter you in in the Detroit Marathon if you want.
2: Well, I don't know if I'm ready for that because I'm <laughs> 70 years old, now. but um, I, I'm, uh, I do pretty well. You know, I still, I'm out there fishing. Uh, I'm with my sons, uh, salmon fishing. Uh, I, I was in the middle of a project working on this uh, 100-year-old stone house that I have when this all came up. And it's been a little slow after that because there were so many things to do and and I wasn't real healthy then, you know, when I got out of the hospital. But I'm looking forward to continuing working on this house and I'm probably 90% done with it now. I think that helped me a bunch because I had a real good goal. That's something I could see every day that was happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How does your son feel about your use of cannabis?
2: Um. My oldest son um, seen what happened and how it worked on me, and he has brought a few of his friends up with cancer, and I've told them everything I know. And uh, they're on the oil. I've uh, had an uncle that uh, had uh, cancer, and um, he, he was on the oil for a while. Uh, and, and I think my youngest son he understands, but he doesn't really believe in a lot of that you know um he's, he's he's doubting it but there's more and more proof every day that it works
1: yeah well, what, do you,
3: what do your doctors say to you seven years out from a pancreatic cancer that you were sent home to die with what what, what do they say when you get those clear scans
2: well i've, I've been in there because uh, my pancreas started leaking and i went into a uh, uh, Henry Ford. And uh, while I was in there, I had doctors I had never known or never met, and they walk in and say, You're the guy that took the oil. You're the guy with the pan- pan- pancreatic cancer. Can I speak with you for a while? And they're very receptive to that idea. So I think they're starting to change their minds, at least in the Ford Hospital. The one in Ann Arbor, not as much. I don't think they're up to speed on that yet or
1: they don't want to know. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. They, yeah, we hear a lot of people who have conversations with their doctors. Some doctors are interested, very few. Most doctors don't want to hear anything about it and some are antagonistic towards it. And it's it's an educational process. That's one of the reasons why we do this program is to start educating people on alternatives. Although we should clarify, we do not offer medical advice. It's just uh, about some of the benefits of using cannabis oil. And boy, you at 70 years of age and uh, cleared yourself of pancreatic cancer. And uh, it's absolutely remarkable.
2: Sometimes I look back at it and wonder if I was just lucky or if I was saved for other reasons. I and you know I can't explain that. Um but of course I'm happy that I'm still alive and I'm here to complain about the, the insulin and all that too. So, you know, <laughs> it's,
3: it's not
2: it's not like it's my life back seven years ago. Yeah. Because back then um probably forty pounds less weight. I I slept five, six hours a day. I worked on this house a lot. I fished, I hunted and some of it's my age is catching up to me. Some of it is the cancer has slowed me down.
1: But you are cancer. Yeah, you are cancer free though. I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's fantastic, Robert. Do you have any uh, advice that you'd like to give listeners about uh, using cannabis oil?
2: Well, yes. Um, I've seen and talked to people that are taking the oil. And they bought it from um, what they call a compassion club here. And they had no idea what's in the oil, how it was made, how what was the percentage, no lab tests. And, you know, I've told people to run from that. If you're going to take it and you're sick, you better have a good product in you. If you can't do that, then who knows what you're taking? You might be eating isopropyl alcohol, which is poison. You might be taking cannabis oil that's... Fifteen percent cannabis, and the rest is fillers, carrier oil they call it. So, uh, make sure you know what you're doing. And and the next thing is, you know you're going to get sick. Find yourself a good caregiver, somebody that care, somebody that's going to make up decisions with the things you're going to come across. Because I was very very sick. I laid in a, in a bed for a long time. I didn't. They they wouldn't allow me to put food in my stomach for four months. Everything I ate come through a uh, IV bag, and a PIC line in my shoulder. Wow! Um, I don't believe I don't believe I'd be here without a good caregiver.
1: Yeah, yeah, very well said, uh, Robert. It was uh, it was fascinating to talk to you. I'm wondering how does the fellow who introduced you to cannabis, the fellow with lung cancer, I believe you said correct. Yes. Yeah. How is he doing?
2: Well, uh, I have to tell you, he uh, financially couldn't afford the oil. Uh, I didn't hear about it until later, but um, he was given a year to live, and he had uh, about four or five good years and quit taking the oil, and it wasn't long after that he died. Mm. Oh, sorry to hear that.
1: But you know what? Yeah, He's... I
2: really never Personally, but he he contacted me through a friend and really got me involved in this. And I, for that, I'll always appreciate him and think about him.
1: Yeah, he saved your life.
2: I believe so. I believe so.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. And,
2: and it wasn't just it wasn't just him. It was the hospital. It was the caregivers. It was the people that understood what was going on. And it was my family physician, which. Uh, If I was confused or or mixed up or upset about, I would uh, go see him, and he'd sit me down to explain to me what's going on. And I felt like I really had a good grasp on the whole thing uh, after I started this program with this. Yeah,
1: your mental attitude got you through it, too.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Robert, it's great to hear from you. Uh, Thanks very much for doing this. We very much appreciate it, and you've got a lot of years left, and we hope you very soon finish your reconstruction project that you're doing on your house, your stone house, and uh, I think it's just remarkable that you're still alive seven years later after having pancreatic cancer. Good luck to you. Thank you
2: very much. I certainly appreciate this interview, too. I hope this I hope this gets to somebody that needs this to hear this. I hope that this gives them hope.
3: Robert, thank you so much, and I can absolutely guarantee you it will. We we have a number of pancreatic cancer patients out there, so absolutely this will.
1: All right. Thank you. And we'd uh, like to apologize for some of the quality on that uh interview with Robert, we find that in some areas of, particularly of North America, in remote areas, the sound is not as good, the quality is not as good as it is in um, urban areas. But uh, I think you got the gist that uh, Robert is doing well and cannabis oil and his mental attitude has been a savior. And as many of you are aware, Cannabis Health Radio relies on listeners for support. If you'd like to support us, there are two ways you can do that. Either a one-time donation for as little as $5 a month or a monthly donation. Go to our website, radio and and a pop-up window will guide you through the process. And I want to read you an email uh, I got today from a woman we've interviewed in the past. I won't say where she's from because she lives in a country Where cannabis is illegal. Um, And what she had to say was that, uh, sweetest Ian and Corey, I love you both so much for all that you do. Your radio show literally gave me the confidence to save my own life in a country where I don't have access to information. Your efforts will live on and be preserved in the internet for decades to come. Saving not only lives, but saving love and tens of thousands of families. I will forever support your work, forever. And she signs her name. and It was very nice of her to do that. And hopefully we'll be on the uh, internet for decades to come because we've uh, had some problems with YouTube. But we'll get into that in another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with another edition.
0: Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, cannabishealthradio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show.